Good morning. If you have your Bibles, I'd encourage them to take take them and turn with me to 2 Corinthians. We get things arranged and in order here. Chapter 4, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16, 17, and 18 will be our text that we focus on this morning. Welcome, welcome to Big Woods Bible Church outside service. Many of you still watching and listening online. We welcome you to a beautiful day, a gift of God's grace that he has given to us. On a personal note, I just want to say thank you. Um, the past couple weeks I had surgery um, on my my thumb, and I just want to say thank you for the cards, the um, texts, the emails, um, the, the food and the meals that were sent over, even flowers that were given. We are so blessed. Wendy and I are so loved by the body of Christ, and I want to thank you. I believe I pastor, I shepherd the greatest church in the entire world world. I told Wendy that, you know, if and when that moment comes, I ever die in a fiery crash, she's going to be eating really, really well. And I want to thank you for your love and your kindness and your grace. We have an amazing text before us this morning. We're going to focus on this phrase, our outer self is wasting away. What does that look like for many of us? We know that as we age, we will suffer both outwardly and inwardly. Frustration with that. I heard the story of a husband and wife. They were, they were getting older and they were forgetting more and more things. They went to see their doctor and like, hey doc, can you, can you give us some advice? How do we handle this? We're getting frustrated with one another. He said, you just got to start writing things down so that you don't forget it. Well, that seems like a simple thing. They're watching TV and the husband said, hey, honey, I'm gonna get some ice cream. You want some ice cream? And she said, yeah, how about some vanilla ice cream? And joking, she said, hey, you wanna write it down so you don't forget? He's like, I got it, okay, vanilla ice cream. She said, yeah, but I, I want a little, I want some strawberries on the vanilla ice cream. You wanna, you wanna write that down? And he's like, I got it, okay? He's like, well, well before you get, I want some whipped cream on the strawberries, on the vanilla ice cream. You want to write it down? He's like, I got it. So he heads off about 20 minutes later. He comes back and he's got a plate with bacon and eggs on it. She says, honey, where's the toast I asked for? There's this idea that it's really, there's a part of it's really frustrating when we think about what is happening to us over the years. Thankfully, God in his grace has a message of hope. And we focus on what I call good news this morning, the weight of glory, good news in a bad news world. Before we look to our text, would you bow your heads and pray with me as we look into the word of God this morning. Father, we are amazed at who you are. We are in gratitude, thanksgiving for this day that you have made. 
evidence of your care and your love and your creative design and handiwork. Evidence, Lord, that we are so tiny. We are specks in the gorgeous universe that you've placed us in. Father, we admit the fact that as we look around us, it can be bad news. But we love, we love you and we thank you, Lord, for the fact that you love us and that you don't just leave us wandering, but you speak to us, you dwell within us, you encourage us, comfort us, strengthen us. And Lord, this morning as we look into your word, we ask that you would do all of that, that we together would hear your voice in a needed moment. Direct us and guide us. Lead us in the paths of righteousness for your namesake. Father, I just pray for help. Please give me clarity of thought and mind and speech. May everything that is said be for your glory and for your glory alone. We ask this in the amazing and wonderful and matchless name of Jesus. Amen and amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16, 17, and 18, the word of the Lord. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us in eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient. But the things that are unseen are eternal. We begin with a phrase, it's actually a repeated phrase from the first paragraph and now in the final paragraph because it's needed for us. Both verse 1 and verse 16. We do not lose heart. In multiple translations, it translates like this. We do not lose heart. We do not lose heart. We do not lose heart. The old King James says, we faint not. The CSB translates it, do not give up. I like the simplicity of that. Difficult times that we are living in calls what us to great truth, to rest in, to hold on to, but you know what? To pass on. That's why you're here this morning, to hold on to something so you can pass it on to others. That's what we need to be reminded of. So here it is. Here's what we're passing on. Good news in a bad news world. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. The word though, or we could translate it although, is just the acknowledgement of fact. Fact is this. Pinch yourself. Our outer self is wasting away. No one can, no one should ever, ever deny that. Our outer self is what is our body, our mortal flesh. Now, if you recall so far, some of the pictures that we've seen of our outer self, some of the analogies or illustrations that have been given were jars of clay or earthen vessels. Next week in chapter 5, we'll look at the fact that our outward body is like a tent. None of these things are very impressive. Sorry, gang. 
if you were to build upon that, the most common reference to us throughout all of Scripture are sheep. You and I are like sheep. And again, that is not a very breathtaking example. Sorry to tell you why. Yes, sheep are adorable and cute. But you know what? They're also really dirty animals. They, they, they kind of stink. They're, they're defenseless. They're very easily scared. They wander off quickly. They have no sense of direction. They're certainly not the smartest animal in the barnyard. The best thing, the best way that we are to behave as sheep is that we stay together, just as you're doing right now. Great, great effort comes in gathering together on a weekly basis. But sheep are at their best when they stay together and we together trust the shepherd. That's what we're doing. So as sheep with what? Outward bodies that are, are, are fading away or wasting away. You have to understand what that means. It's not just, it's not just what you can see and touch. Philip Hughes writes like this, this should not be understood merely in the material sense, for it indicates the human constitution with all of its faculties and energies, mental as well as muscular, perceptive as well as practical. That means what? Not just your body is wasting away, but your brain is literally wasting away, which means your memory, your cognitive ability, your thinking processes and patterns, your, your ability to make decision. Now, scientists, physicians, endless medical journals have been written about what? The debate of how fast, what is the rate that you and I lose our brain cells? What's interesting is that there's also great debate that maybe by exercise and diet we can actually what we can hold on to the few brain cells that we have but what is not debated is this the older you and i get the more worn out our body and our brains get it is a fact of life if you are young get ready for it if you are old get used to it Two older couples were having dinner together in one of their homes. And after dinner, the, the wives went off into the dining room, into the living room to chat, and the guys stayed around the table. The guys were talking, and one of the guys said to the other, he said, man, we were just at an amazing restaurant this past week. Great restaurant, one of the best restaurants we've ever been. And the guy said, well, what's the name of the restaurant? He's like, ah. He said, what, what's... What's the name of that? It's, it's a flower. It has a long stem and, and thorns on it. And, and a lot of times they're, they're red. And the guy says, a rose. He goes, hey, that's right. He goes, hey, Rose, what was the name of that restaurant that we just ate in the other night? Fact of life. Wasting away or decaying. It speaks of the present irreversible process that is moving us closer and closer and closer to the grave. Yes, with great effort, it can be slowed, but it cannot be stopped. The psalmist wrote in Psalm chapter 90, the days of our years 
Think about this. This is 3,000 years ago. The days of our years are three score years and 10. That's 70. And if by reason of strength they are four score or 80 years, yet is their strength labor and sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we fly away. In, in the book of Psalms, we're talking about the fact somewhere between 70 and 80. What is our average lifespan today? 78.7. We know that. There's something happening here. The aging process, we understand, is hard, and we hear all the time about medical tests that are being taken and procedures and ailments and treatments and surgeries. But in the midst of all of that, there's a couple of very important observations. The first one is this. It says that your inner self is being renewed. Now, what's interesting here is that this is passive. Your inner self is being, which means some, someone, something else, is doing the renewing and not you. It implies what? The Holy Spirit at work within you is renewing you. The second observation is that this is day by day, which means it's a daily. Yeah, I want to be renewed for the next week. The next month doesn't work like that. Lamentations chapter 3 verse 23 says what? His mercies are new every single day. We approach it every single sunrise. Lord, give me. Your grace is sufficient in this moment for this hour. We are being renewed day by day. Third observation is that this is not just to like sit around. Okay, God, renew me. Give me. It points to what? To the previous section that we read. Last week in verses 13, 14, and 15, we have the same spirit of faith, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us with Jesus. If you write in your Bibles, if you underline, highlight, underline what Jesus will raise us. The Lord Jesus will raise us. So grace extends and increases our thanksgiving to the glory of God. If Jesus is risen, then what? It's good news. It's good news for you and for others. What is Paul doing here? He is banking on. He is pushing all of the chips to the middle of the table on a resurrected Savior. So should you. So, so what happens? So matching this ongoing weakening of physical power, of physical power is the daily renewing of spiritual power. Let me say that again. Every single day, there's a weakening of our physical power, of our physical being. So therefore, what? Something has to be renewed in the spiritual sense. Mary Harris writes it like this of the Apostle Paul. And I quote, It was as though the more he expended himself for the gospel's sake, the greater his spiritual resilience. The more he expended himself for the sake of the gospel, for the work of the gospel, there was an increase in his resilience to continue on. Let me stop right here and ask you this question. <clears throat> how resilient are you? How, how is your resilience right now in light of everything that's going on? Well, it's, it's pretty shaky. Yeah, I don't know if you've been reading, Pastor, but it's, it's pretty scary out there. No, no, wait a minute. Maybe, if that's your response, 
You're focusing more on your weakness instead of the power of the resurrected Savior whose spirit is at work in you, renewing you. Think, what is the resurrected Savior? It's good news. It's, it's coal in the burner. The resurrected Savior is what? It's fuel in the tank. It's oil in the flask. You serve a God that had been buried and now he's alive again. What does that truth do for you? That's pretty bad out there. No, 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 no. It puts us into one of two categories. There's two categories, there's two types of people. The first category are people that are old and aching. And they are bitter. And they are cantankerous. And they are complaining. And they are negative. That's one category. There's another category, people. And the second category is that they're old and aching too. But they are sweet. There's a sweetness about them. And they're gentle. And they're kind. And they're winsome. And they're hopeful. They're hopeful. I met with a dear brother in the Lord just this week whom I love. And, and by honesty, he's, he's old and he's aging. And he leaned forward. He says, I just want to finish well. Just one to finish well. I witnessed that. I witnessed that in my grandmom, Grandmom Peters, my mother's mother. She knew, she knew this world around us that this was not her home. She was dying in a nursing home in Philadelphia, and we brought her up to live with us the last few months. As those last few months turned into the last few weeks, in the last few days of her life, she ached with arthritis. I hit her accidentally by, with a snowball one day. Oh, it just did not go well. Aching with arthritis, she was diabetic. She was stricken to a wheelchair. Her kidneys were shutting down. Her liver was shutting down. And I would sit with her. Or she would say, come sit with me, any one of the grandkids. And she would, with a smile on her face, say, I can't wait when I meet my Savior. I can't wait to meet my Savior with such joy. Because she understood what? There is good news in a bad news world. Number two, God is at work. God is preparing you and I, right now, this very moment, for something greater, for this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory. I love these last three words, beyond all comparison. We know the, uh, the, the author here is the Apostle Paul. A couple weeks ago, we read about his testimony in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, and, and we read about some of his hardships, shipwrecked, three times, stoned, beat, imprisoned, sickness, and he chooses to use this term for his own hardships or his own afflictions. They're light, they're, they're, they're light, and I'm not taking anything, I don't, want to, I don't want to be disrespectful, anything from your present hardship or struggles. 
what we do need to look at this morning is upon authority of the word of God. All of our struggles must be looked at in comparison to the what? To the afflictions that the apostle Paul suffered. Or how about, how about comparing our afflictions and hardships to what the afflictions that the Lord Jesus Christ himself suffered? Hear me this morning. There's a reason for this. There's a purpose for all of your afflictions. The idea is what? Is preparation. Preparation. Now the idea, the idea of preparing for something in my mind is the most unexciting thing you could possibly do. It is like unfun. Preparation, that is zero fun. Why? Because it's not the actual. We're all about the actual, but this is getting us ready for the actual. Think about the athlete in training, <clears throat> the hardship. He's getting ready for the game. He's getting ready for the race. He's getting ready for the meet. <clears throat> He's getting ready in a sense by getting up early. Wait, all of us are still in bed. <clears throat> he has to watch his diet, his exercise. He has to run sprints. He has to hit the weight room. Think about the idea of the student or the scholar who's preparing to write the test or the exam. It speaks of hard work. Preparation speaks of discipline. Preparation speaks of steadiness. Oh. Preparation speaks of focus. Why? Because the end game has got to be in mind here. This is the image that Paul is communicating for us. And he's not denying the fact that the present, the preparation, he's not denying the fact that it still hurts. He's not denying the fact that it's still hard. Take a look around us. Like what is happening in the world? The craziness of COVID, the economic fallout, school, what's going to happen? Church, work. Paul's not saying that the preparation is easy or it's fun. It stinks. But God is getting your attention right now. And God is getting you ready for something bigger. And God is getting you ready for something better than we could ever possibly imagine. How tired are we of hearing about what, how difficult the, the upheaval of, of our normal comforts the audacity that someone wants me to wear a mask in public. And we hear of hardship after hardship. And so what, what Paul does for us, and the, perfect, the, the picture that he gives here is perfect for us. He says, what, what you need to be taught, what you need to be instructed, is you need to put everything on a scale. <clears throat> Scales what? Scales weigh how heavy or how light something is for some reason we have a love hate relationship with scales we don't really want to know but we need to know last tuesday i had to go in for surgery on my thumb and like could you please get on the scales I, like i'm sorry like i don't understand this what is 
what is the fact that I've had a few too many milkshakes matter about this? And yet, if for some reason, it's connected to overall truth. Yeah, we can't operate your thumb till we know how much you are. Just get on the scale, boy. That's, in a sense, it's truth that's needed in moments of pain, in moments of uncertainty that some of you and I are facing, right? In moments of fear, we must know truth. Why? What? Again, the comparison to teach us to weigh what? <clears throat> the weight or the heaviness of glory to the light momentary or temporary affliction. An athlete goes through the pain to prepare. He lifts weights, he sprints, he does reps, his, his legs are burning, his chest is heaving, his body is on fire. Why? Because the, the eyes are on the goal. That's what Paul writes about in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. He's, he's what? I, I run to win. That's the analogy, that's the picture that's giving. Yeah, it's hard. No, no, no. I'm not taking anything away from the fact that it is hard, but I am telling you this. You can endure it. God never is going to call you to be faithful in something without giving you the means and the strength to accomplish what he's called you to. You can handle it by acknowledging the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior knowing that our entire future is what? In the presence of God, where his glory is on full display. And that truth, the acknowledgement of that truth, what? Allows us to face any and all hardship today. Which brings us really to the final, what we call in, in, in preaching lab. What we call in, in, in homiletics says what? The so what? Now what? What do we do? Number three, and finally, look at future promises instead of present problems. That's the so what. Now what? Look at future promises instead of present problems. We look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient. But the things that are unseen are eternal. Now, now, we have to be told very intentionally, do not look. Why? Because we want to look. We are, in a sense, fascinated with the idea of this is really, really bad. As a pastor for... A number of years, I have spent a lot of time visiting people in hospitals after an accident, after surgeries. Inevitably, what happens is that what there's 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 an incision, there's an infection, and I I, I want to go there. I want to read scripture. I want to pray. I want to encourage. But I, oftentimes, I hear this: "You want to see it." I'm, I'm like, no, that's all right. Thank you. Just stay covered up. No, 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 no. <clears throat> it's really, really bloody. It's really bad. You want to see it? No, no, that's fine. I'm okay with it. They'll start like those. No. 
got my cum, my, my, my thumb cut. It's pretty bad. Pretty, and you know what I'm doing? Hey, you want to see it? Took a picture of it. They unwrap it. The doctor leaves the room. So I take a picture. I'm like, show. I'm like, hey, look at this. It's really bad. It's really bloody. It's really gross. Why? Because we are fascinated with the problem. We're fascinated with the pain. We're fascinated with the plague. And now what? To heap upon that, in addition to that, we live in a world that you can record and review it, play it, and replay it, like it, love it, post it, tweet it, and retweet it over and over and over again. Which means what? The scene today is very seen. The visible today is more visible than ever before. Therefore, Paul writes to the Corinthians, and the Holy Spirit is speaking to us this morning, that what? You are not to look at the things that are seen. Another response, inevitably, the argument is, oh, so be the ignorant Christian, keep your head in the sand, let the world go to hell. No, that's, that's not what's being spoken here. But you know what's being spoken here is this truth. It's hard to hear. You and I are focusing on the wrong thing too many times. That's what's being spoken. You're focusing on the wrong thing. Thing. Now, thankfully, we have a God who loves us, and in his gracious wisdom, he's instructing us, don't focus, don't ponder, don't contemplate and concentrate on the scene. And thankfully, in his grace, he gives us something that we are to focus on. He gives us something that we are to, to concentrate on. The unseen. Focus on the invisible, not the visible. And I am grateful for a God of simplicity, who has patience with people like me because he takes everything and he categorizes everything into two categories because we have a hard time doing this. What does God do? Category one, everything is the scene or the transient or the temporal. Category two is what? The unseen, the eternal. So we begin with category one. Take a look around us. Remember, this will date many of us. Remember romper room? Remember the magic mirror? And I see romper, stomper, bumper, and I see that Wendy had a very special day today. Remember that? That's basically, look through the magic mirror, and we see what? We see trees and grass. We see vehicles, and we see what? We see buildings, we see bodies, everything that you see around you is passing away, is temporal. Everything that you see, it's all fleeting. Peter writes what in 1 Peter chapter 1, all flesh is like grass. And its glory is like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls. Bodies are seen. Bodies are temporal. Jesus said, what? Don't fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Fear 
him who can destroy both soul and body in hell, which means souls that you don't see. Souls are unseen, are eternal. Yet what is fascinating in a horrible way is this. I hear far, far, far more prayer requests for broken bodies than I ever hear for broken souls. We focus more, I focus more. Yeah, this is really painful. And we focus more on the outside than we do uh, on the insides. Does it mean that we don't care about our bodies at all? No, no, no. We are to pray for bodies. We're to pray for one another. James 5 talks about this. You need a body to minister to those with bodies and souls. So we're not saying disregard. But let's keep things in balance here. Let's weigh things. One of the most prolific early church fathers, John Chrysostom in the 4th century, he was referred to as the golden mouth. I love that description. Christosom writes this, <clears throat> we mind not the things that, that we mind not the things seen, whether affliction or refreshment, so as to be seduced by the latter or deterred by the former. So what the golden mouth is saying here with great accuracy is what? Affliction deters us <clears throat> or affliction distracts us. The enemy that is alive and well loves, loves for us to focus on the mess. But the message of the gospel, a resurrected Jesus, heals and restores and moves us out of the mess into a ministry of glory. Now, if you think for a moment, yeah, but the mess is bad. It's just, it's just too scary out there. Then you are not trusting. If you think that it's too bad, then you're not trusting in the promise of a resurrected Savior, a God who transforms lives. The very man who's writing these words was what? At one time, he was a brutal murderer. The Apostle Paul was a terrorist thug who when he met Jesus on a dusty road to Damascus is knocked from his horse and he can utter nothing. He can see nothing. But one phrase, who are you, Lord? In Hebrew, it's Adon. In Greek, it's what? We know it's kurios. It means what? Majesty. Or in a sense, he's referring to who are you who is in authority of everyone. Which implies what? He's not. Who are you, Lord? Who are you, the one in charge? Who are you, Lord, the one who calls all of the shots? In practical terms, think about what is happening what will happen around us. God in his graciousness is saying, leave everything that is visible to me. You leave it to me. I'm in authority, you're not. You leave the visible to me and you focus on the unseen. Why? Because the unseen is eternal. 
pause in closing on the presence of God. Pause and stop and ponder. Think about the glory of God. Heaven. Jesus Christ himself said in John chapter 14, when the disciples are scared to death, he said, I'm going and I'm going to prepare a place for you. What an amazing promise. Think of the gorgeous creation that surrounds us. And God spoke it all into existence in six days. Think about the place that is being prepared for you. All of what we see around us is fallen, but there is a place that, that as Drew directed our attention to, first thing this morning, there is a place with no corruption. There is a place, what, with no separation. There is a place that, that there is no brokenness. There is a place, what, with no decay. There is a place with no sin. There is a place with no tears. There is a place with no dementia, a place with no arthritis, a place with no stitches and no scars, a place with no tears, no pain that is awaiting you. Apostle Paul was gifted by God to get a little glimpse. We don't fully understand. He heard some things. God allowed Paul to get a little glimpse and he saw some things. And he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 that it's unlawful for me to utter. I'm not even allowed to speak. I can't even speak of what I heard. Why? Because it blew his mind away. Perfect body. Think about that. Perfect sight. Perfect place with a perfect God. The weight of glory, a place called heaven that is beyond all comparison. People, there is a loving heavenly Father right now who through the truth of Scripture, the presence of His Spirit here with us this morning is taking your face very, very gently and lovingly in his hands. And he is drawing you close. And he looks in your eyes and he says, My dear daughter, my dear son, you're focusing on the wrong thing. You're focusing on the wrong thing. We have to be reminded that what? We don't look to the brokenness of this world, but we look to the Savior who was broken for us so we can live in joy and forgiveness and hope. There is bad news. There is good news in a bad news world. There is what? God preparing you for something greater that we are to look for the future promises that are in store for us and stop looking at the present problems. May you be encouraged through the reality and truth of the Word of God this morning. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Father, we are amazed at who you are and your patience and grace with us. I confess that I focus too much on that which is seen. And I would ask that you would forgive me 
Father, I, I don't think I'm alone. That any one of us who, who, who very quickly and readily focuses on the mess and focuses on the problem. We confess, Lord, that we need to focus more on broken souls than broken bodies. That we need to look to you and the glories that await us in your promised word of heaven. May we know this truth and hold on to this truth so we can pass on that truth to a hurting world. Father, we admit and confess we cannot do this on our own, and so we ask that you right now would fill us with your spirit and send us out to speak good news. For your glory, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.